You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Boy, the seasons are changing. It's getting warm. It's like 90 degrees as this is being recorded. This is spring in the Central Valley of California. It is either cold or it is hot. There is no, there's no in between. I know other places in the country, this is kind of like the rainy season, monsoon season or something. And uh, Arizona is what somebody said to me a little earlier today. I don't even, I can't even conceptualize what monsoon season is. But you know, we've got some sports on TV coming this weekend. I know you're you're thinking about those big sporting events like I am, right? The U.S. Men's Clay Court Championships in Houston and the Australia Grand Prix Formula One. No, are those not the two? Of course, everybody's watching opening opening day for baseball and the Masters and seeing what Tiger's doing there. That's not. This isn't a sports podcast, though, right? We'll leave that for somebody else to pontificate on. We're talking about yields today. Yields, the yield curve, what the yield curve means. What the yield curve is signaling, if this is a ma- if this matters, if the inverted yield curve, if you've heard about that yet, if you've watched our March market video, I mentioned it in there. We're covering, you know, we've talked a lot about inflation and we've talked a lot about interest rates. Well, this is the next horsemen of the four horsemen of a recession, I guess you could say. And it is the, what the yield curve is. Now, if you think about a yield curve or the if you think about yields, uh, if you know what a CD is at the bank, a CD is a certificate of deposit. The bank locks up your money basically and says, uh, if you leave it here for a certain period of time, we'll get and give you a certain interest rate, right? So if you leave it there for six months, you get a little bit. If you leave it there for a year, the rate's a little bit higher. If you leave it for two years or five years, it's higher still. And that kind of curve, that move from that short duration, that short-term CD to the intermediate and longer-term CDs, that's a curve of a of yield. Well, the same thing goes on with treasuries. And that, so when you're hearing things about yield curves, we're talking about that same interest rate curve, but not for CDs like my example, but we're talking about treasuries, U.S. treasuries. And the shape of the U.S. treasury yield curve is often looked at as a barometer for U.S. economic growth. More specifically, it reflects how the Federal Reserve intends to stimulate or slow economic growth by cutting or raising its policy rate. Each tenor on the curve is roughly the expected policy rate plus or minus a term premium. So the term premium represents really the expected compensation for lending for longer periods of time, right? That's like in that CD example that I just gave. So in air quote, because this is an audio, I've done it, I did this last week, in quote, normal times, the yield curve is upward sloping. So just like the CD example, the longer maturity treasury yields are higher than shorter maturity treasury yields. But when the economy is growing too quickly, inflationary pressures are apparent and the Fed wants to slow growth. Shorter maturity yields could eventually out-yield longer maturity securities, and that inverts the yield curve. It turns it upside down where the short rate is higher than the long rate. So imagine, again, with this bank thing, going to the bank and they say, well, we'll pay you a percent for a six-month CD, but we'll pay you half of a percent for a two-year CD. Does that make any sense to you? No. 
Something screwed up there. And so the, the yield curve inversion is likely going to be the, the phrase of the year in 2022 as far as finance is concerned. Now, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. We don't think recession is in the cards for this year. If the Fed follows through with expected rate hikes, however, it, and that's a big if, we're likely going to see the three-month to 10-year close to inversion by the end of the year, which would likely mean recession could be a 2023 or 2024 event. When we look at the yield curve a little differently, we actually see a couple different signals. The two-year yield is currently out-yielding the 10-year treasury yield and is thus inverted. The two-year and 10-year yield curve is inverted. However, when we look at shorter maturities, like the difference between a three-month treasury yield and a 10-year treasury yield, right? Much, much shorter than that two-year, two, three-month and 10-year versus two-year two and 10-year. The curve is actually still very steep on that three-month to 10-year treasury yield curve. And that makes sense because the Fed's only actually raised interest rates by 25 basis points. That's a quarter of a percent of a, a quarter of a full percent this year. So the difference in the two-year treasury yield and the 10-year treasury yield measures market expectations of what the Fed may do, not what it's already done. That makes sense, right? The shorter the yield curve, that's where we are now, two-year, that's where we're, people are projecting things to be. So using shorter parts of the yield curve, which is what academic research actually supports us, that we should be doing, that measures what the Fed has already done and maybe a better indicator of near-term recession risks. Fed rate hikes are used to slow economic growth. So that's the it's the reality of those hikes that leads the economy to contract, not the threat of rate hikes, which is kind of theoretically what the two-year treasury yield is is measuring. It's the threat of the projected, the I what people are betting those those uh rate hikes will yield. The past six times, the two-year and 10-year part of the yield curve inverted, a recession followed on average. 18 months later. Think about that. It was a year and a half after that 2010 yield curve inverted that we got a recession. 18 months, year and a half. Now, the length of time between the quickest time to recession <clears throat> is six months, and the longest time until recession was nearly 36 months. And so that complicates the signal in all of this. And in the Fed's words, the relationship is probably spurious. Even though the results are there, um, that wide variation on when a recession shows up really creates a lot of noise in here. And additionally, the signal, this this two-year, 10-year yield curve signal may not be as robust as it once was, as central banks around the world have implemented pretty aggressive quantitative easing programs that have really impacted market signals. In the U.S., for example, the Fed owns more than 25% of treasury securities outstanding and continues to reinvest the coupon and principal payments into the treasury market. So with that said, we don't really think investors should ignore the two-year, 10-year signal altogether. And I think you have to acknowledge that given the nuances surrounding the current economic dynamics and with the Fed likely to respond more aggressively than previous rate hiking campaigns, to, to tackle this stubbornly high inflation that we have, recessionary risks have likely been pulled forward into 2023 or maybe 2024. That said, I think we still expect the economy to grow above trend this year because of underlying consumer strength. So 
with this being one of the biggest stories over the past few weeks, and that's in inversion of the various points of the yield curve, I want to cover 10 things to know about inverted yield curves. Uh, because it, it was the that two, two and ten yield curve spread inversion that I just mentioned happened on April first of this year, and now it was no April Fool's joke. I'm not even going to try. We've been through. We were through this last week. April first of this year was when the inversion happened. It's the first time since 2019, and the, um and the five year to 30 year yield curve inverted for the first time since 2006 on March 28th. So we've gone through what the what a yield curve is, right? It plots the yield of different maturity bonds, usually treasuries, and in normal times, just like the CD at the bank example, a longer dated bond should have a higher yield than the shorter dated bond. And the inversion has eventually moves us or signals some sort of recession historically. And and that's why the signals are are pretty important. So let's go, let's start with number one on the 10 things to know about the yield curve. Yes. Number one, past recessions have been preceded by an inverted yield curve, but it doesn't happen right away. So to put it another way is that yield curve inversions have preceded all recessions, but not all inverted yield curves lead to a recession. Did you catch that? Right? Yield curve uh, in session, if we have a recession, a yield curve inverted before then, but not all inverted yield curves meant recession. Now, historically, when the, that two and 10 year yield curve inverts, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, recession takes place an average of about 19 months later. Number two, what about stocks? One of the bigger surprises for investors is that actually stocks historically have done pretty well right after previous inversions. In fact, the S&P 500 index gained another 29% on average and peaked nearly 17 months later after the previous four inversions. So the bottom line is that a yield curve inversion is a warning sign, but it doesn't mean that trouble is imminent, right? This means a storm is on the distant horizon. It is not here. Uh, let's move on. This is because we're going a little bit long this week. Number three, you, if you look to see how the S&P 500 is done after all the two and 10 year inversions, going back to the mid sixties, you can see that the, the three, six and 12 month returns on average were actually positive. I'll link to that, uh, to one of the charts that show this, but, uh, some of the more recent, it really it, it, more recently, the performance has been quite impressive. So the last yield curve inversion um, in 2019, three months later, S&P up more than 9%, six months later, up more than 12, 12 months later, up more than 21%. So this is not this is not the end of your investment returns just because that we have the inversion. So what number are we on? We're on number four. One thing that investors seem to be ignoring lately is the short end of the curve. So we'll call number one, the short end of the curve. In fact, the Federal Reserve Bank came out recently saying as much as when they said don't kind of don't feel the yield curve right they concluded that the 2 year and 10 year yield curve wasn't a good indicator for recessions instead the near term spread between the 3 month and the 18 month forward yield curve has been much better and you, so and the, at this point here's where we take note that the 3 month to 18 month forward yield curve has actually steepened significantly in the past few months reducing the chances of recession. So speaking of the Fed, Chair Powell said last month that the economy was on firm footing and would be able to withstand head, uh, rate hikes. So in other words, the Fed isn't 
worried about recession yet, especially if you're looking at that three month to 18 month for uh, yield curve. So number five, here we go. Fifth thing to know along these same lines, the three month to 10 month yield curve recently was at actually at its steepest level in five years. I mentioned that three month and 10 year yield curve a little bit earlier in this podcast episode. This has actually been one of our personal favorite parts of the yield curve to use as a signal for a pending recession, just because the two year and 10 year yield curve has given some false signals in the past. And so it, if if that yield that that three month to ten year yield curve inverts, if it inverts, when it inverts, until it inverts, we think the odds of a recession on the horizon are still kind of limited. Okay, I think we're on six. I'm pretty sure. Uh, number six, yield curves are only one part of the bond market, but what the credit markets are actually saying is entirely another thing. So think of them as uh, bond investors' take on financial conditions. In fact, on credit markets, we're seeing a much different opinion here than we are with the yield curves. Lately, high-yield bonds have outperformed treasuries, according to the Bloomberg U.S. Corporate High-Yield Index and the Bloomberg U.S. Treasury Index. Those are the indices for high-yield bonds and treasuries, right? And a clue, it's actually a clue that the credit markets aren't very worried about economic growth going forward, right? They, the lending is going on, if you're thinking about like credit, right? So in the past, really, trouble starts brewing when high-yield begins to underperform treasuries. So that's something to keep in mind also. Seven, piggybacking on this last discussion about high-yield and, and uh, credit what credit markets are saying spreads on high yield and investment grade corporates have both come back significantly in the past few weeks so to see credit markets showing major signs of improvement in the past few weeks is actually a really good sign that financial conditions are probably better than many of us think yes the yield curve is flashing some warnings but overall the credit markets are saying don't get too bent out of shape don't get overly worried just yet Okay, I'm fairly certain we're on number eight. Number eight, real rates, which means in, in interest rates adjusted for inflation, are negative. Uh, with the 10-year break-even rate, that's what bond markets think inflation will average over the next 10 years, currently near about 2.8%, and the 10-year Treasury yield near 2.5%, you can you don't have to do the math. It's not hard to do the math to see that real yields are actually negative. Now, historically, negative real rates have been pretty bullish for risk assets. The roaring 20s, then during the 40s and the 50s, those were the last time we saw an extended period of negative real rates. And as history has told us, those decades saw explosive growth and stock market gains there. Now, I understand. Let's take it with a grain of salt. We're using data from 70 years ago at the earliest and 100 years ago at the furthest. But those are the data sets that we have going back on negative real rates. Number nine, real yield curves. So again, when we say like real rates or real yield curves, this is when we're adjusting for inflation. Real yield curves are still upwardly sloping. So you've got to take note here. We've actually seen real yields invert ahead of recessions in the past, along with nominal yield curves. So most recently, that was in 2006 and 2019. So that's actually another clue that a recession might not be as close as some have come to fear. 
Meanwhile, Goldman Sachs actually noted that the nominal curves tend to invert more easily in high inflation environments. And so we can check this box off now, right? And that suggests they would take a deeper inversion than recent cycles to actually trigger that recession signal. Finally, number 10, thank you. You've held on this long. You've listened all the way through. So we're going to wrap it up. Number 10, the Fed owns nearly $9 trillion in bonds and 25% of the entire treasury market. So who knows where yields would be if they didn't own any, but most agree longer term yields would be would likely be much, much higher if they weren't the, the, the elephant in the room <laughs> doing whatever they want because they're the biggest bond buyer out there. So maybe various yield curves wouldn't be inverted or even be close to inverting if this wasn't so. Um, I, now, this, this concept is pretty abstract and kind of we're guessing a little bit here, but it's a note we've seen lately that I think is actually worth pointing out that maybe the long, the long end of the yield curve is maybe, um, abnormally kind of artificially lower than it ought to be. So we are, we have covered the yield curve today. We've covered what the yield curve is and what it isn't signaling so far. We talked about th- 10 things that are important to know about the yield curve. So we've done a lot of a lot of discussion about the signaling here. It's too early to tell. I understand what the headlines are. It's easy to write that line if you're if you're trying to sell newspapers, yield curve inverts, recession on the way. Sure. It's going to rain someday too. When? I don't know. You know, it, it, you pack an umbrella, but, you know, you, you still schedule that tennis match <laughs> next week because it may rain, it may not, and you, you got to take it. It needs to be clear. The storm needs to be kind of much closer on the horizon so we can adequately prepare. Until then, the data really suggests that growth is ahead until that storm arrives, not just because it's off in the distance does it disrupt things. So a lot to digest here. This is not an easy subject. Um, but the bottom line is the takeaway isn't as simple as an inverted yield curve means a recession is imminent. If you can take away one thing, that's it. I know, just like we did like 100 episodes on inflation. And we were we were in October really talking about, October and November last year, talking about how inflation was here to stay, inflation was coming, interest rates are moving higher. Well, now that's going on. And so now we're dealing with the effects of that, which is the yield curve. And recession may be down the road, but it's certainly not here today, right? So let's all take a breather. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Masters. Enjoy opening weekend for baseball. If you're me, you're going to be enjoying the Australia Grand Prix and the U.S. Men's Clay Court Championships. We will all reconvene next week on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Ullman. If you have questions, email us info at FordFG.com. I'll talk to you in the next one. Are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. 
Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.